One Church podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. And for more information, please visit us on the web at onechurch.net. time of worship and I love that song Jesus you are my one thing and uh, I, I believe that that's a powerful declaration at a time like this when life can seem so chaotic and even confusing at times I believe there's power in that declaration Jesus you're my one thing I'm refocusing on what matters most in life and that is you and I hope that wherever you're at today that even as we've spent time in worship, I hope that you sense the peace of God, uh, the joy of God. And in fact, I'd love to just pray for you and pray together right now as we prepare to go to God's word. So Father, we thank you, Lord, that regardless of where we're at, Father, regardless of what we're going through, Lord, thank you that when we put you first in our lives, when we make you our one thing, God, that everything else comes into order. And so, God, we pray that today as we are gathered together in worship, gathered together around your word, Father, we pray that we would experience the peace and the joy that only you can bring. We thank you for that this morning, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen, amen. Well, I, I want to welcome all of you this morning. Uh, for those of you that maybe I don't know, my name is Justin. I'm the pastor here at One Church Park District, the lead pastor, one of the pastors, and uh, we are so, so glad that you have taken the time to be with us today. Uh, maybe you're a part of our church community already, um, and maybe you're in a house church this morning, uh, worshiping, fellowshipping, eating with other people. Uh, we love what God is doing. Even in this unique season, God is still moving. And Or maybe uh, you're a guest. Maybe you're just joining us for the first time. Maybe a friend shared the link with you, or maybe you've just stumbled upon us on YouTube or somewhere on the World Wide Web. Well, I just want to say welcome to you. We are so thrilled that you are with us today and in this weird digital world that we have found ourselves in i just want to uh, let you know that we are not just a streaming service we are a community we are real people a real community and uh, we would love to invite you to join us to be a part of this community in this season and uh, even as we have moved into the fall season we have some great great things Coming up, in addition to our house church gatherings, uh, we're going to have monthly uh, worship gatherings, social gatherings, get-togethers. Uh, we've actually got a women's conference that all the ladies in our church are going to be going to next month. Some great outreach opportunities coming up next month as well. And I won't give all the details on that right now, but I really want to encourage you, uh, don't just tune in, but join in. Uh, be a part of this community in this season. And all you have to do is go to ocparkdistrict.com, fill out the connection card there, give us your information so we can follow up with you, share with you ways for you to be a part of our church community. Uh, or maybe you're already a part of the church community and you just don't get our emails. Maybe we've not gotten your information. Uh, fill out the connection card there. Make sure we have your information so that we can follow up with you. Well, if you have your Bible today, why don't you grab it with me and turn to the book of John, uh, the book of John chapter four. And we're going to look at a 
familiar passage to many of us today. It is uh, what is often called the story of the woman at the well. If you're familiar with the story, you know that Jesus was uh, had just finished a long day of teaching and, and was traveling and came upon this well uh, where they would draw water. Maybe it was the coffee shop of the day, so to speak. And he just wants to sit down and chill, rest for a little, little bit. Uh, but he ends up striking up a conversation with a lady there at the well, uh, which if you understand the context of the story, you understand that that was a scandalous um, countercultural conversation. Men did not engage with women, talk to women like that, let alone uh, a Samaritan woman that was uh, of a different ethnic group. But Jesus has this uh, life-changing conversation as they first start talking about water and just something that's so relatable to all of us. I'm glad that Jesus cares about relatable things. Uh, but then as the course of the conversation goes on, he begins to move from just the natural into the spiritual. He recognized the woman's thirst wasn't just natural, but, but it was spiritual. And he shares with her a word, uh, a prophetic word that he would have no way of knowing other than by the Holy Spirit. And it just opened up her heart to really receiving the answer for the spiritual thirst that she had. But I want to pick up in verse 19, John chapter 4, verse 19. After Jesus gives her this word, she says to him, Sir, I perceive that you're a prophet. Our fathers worshiped on this mountain, and you Jews say that in Jerusalem is the place where one ought to worship. And Jesus said to her in verse 21, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will neither worship on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. He goes on to say, you worship what you do not know. We worship what we know for salvation is of the Jews. Verse 23, but the hour is coming and now is, listen to this, when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship him. God is spirit and those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. The conversation goes very quickly from just natural, everyday questions of life to questions of worship. And really, I believe that's because all of life uh, really is influenced by what we believe and how we express worship. In this passage of Scripture, we find not only a life-changing encounter for this woman that Jesus talks to, but perhaps the greatest teaching that Jesus gives on worship. Maybe the most direct teaching, and he says this, he says that the Father is looking for worshipers. He's, he's looking for people that don't just worship in religious form, but they worship in spirit and in truth. And I want to focus on that thought. The Father is looking for worshipers. If you're taking notes today, you can call this message, Where Are the Worshipers? Where are the worshipers? I, I, I don't know if you remember this from maybe a little Sunday school rhyme. If you remember this little rhyme, here's the church, here's the steeple, open the doors and see all the people. And, you know, today it may be, here's the church, here's the steeple, open the doors. Where's the people? Uh, because churches and church buildings, church gatherings around the world today are looking different than what they 
have in the past. And we long to be back together. We've got some great opportunities to get together, to worship together. We had a great time just a week ago worshiping together, and we'll have more opportunities. But I'm glad to tell you today that even as worship looks different and maybe the churches aren't full of uh, people as they have been in the past, the reality is that's been happening for some time. Uh, But here's the good news that I want to tell you today is that God is not just looking for church attenders. He's looking for worshipers. Now, I think if we are a worshiper, we will be we will want to gather. We will want to worship with other people because we'll love being in that environment. But even when we can't be in that environment, the good news is God is still looking for worshipers. I want you to know in this season when church looks different, life looks different, and maybe we can be filled with worry, God is looking for worshipers. The Bible says this in 2 Chronicles 16:9 that the eyes of the Lord roam to and fro throughout the whole earth looking for those whose hearts are faithful to the Lord so that he might show himself strong on their behalf. God is looking around the world and he's looking for worshipers, people who will worship in spirit and in truth. The question is today, are we worshipers? Are we worshipers? Because worshipers is who God is looking for. And when we worship, we are positioning ourselves for God's power to be released in our lives. And so in order to understand what it means to be a true worshiper, we have to first ask the question, what's true worship? What is real worship? And so I want to give you a few points today that I believe every single one of us need to recognize if we're going to be true worshipers. What is worship? Is it what we've always seen it to be? Is worship just Um, you know, two two fast songs, two slow songs. Is that what worship is? And certainly there's nothing wrong with that. But I believe worship is actually far deeper than that. And so the first thing that I believe God wants us to understand about true worship, number one, is that true worship is from the heart. True worship is from the heart. There's all kinds of styles of worship. There's all kinds of even denominations that do worship a little bit differently. And actually, I kind of love all of those. I love the the big gatherings, maybe the vibrant, exciting, you know, worship. But I also love the the somber, quiet worship because ultimately uh, worship is not just about a style. It's about a heart. It's about your spirit. Uh, Because worship, first and foremost, is an issue of your heart. If you understand even the word worship and the origin of that word in our English language, it helps us to understand what worship is all about. The word worship actually came from the old English origin that started as worth-ship, worth-ship. Worth-ship became worship. But worship is ultimately about where we find worth or what we find worth in. And I know sometimes when we talk about worship, we can get very theological, we can get very philosophical, but actually worship is very practical. All of us understand worship to one degree or another. Even children understand worship. I don't know how they get this, but I've seen this for my kids. Even when they're like one year old, 
they understand value, specifically around money. I don't know, maybe it's just my kids. Uh, maybe your kids are like way more holy than this, but uh, my kids, even when they're one year old, they don't talk, they don't have a job, they can't go anywhere to spend money, but they know they want money. <laughs> they know that it is worth something. They've got that little, uh, you know, fistful of pennies and nickels and dimes, and it's worth something. And really, uh, every day we demonstrate worth. When you go shopping, uh, you are demonstrating the worth of something. When you're working, you're, you're demonstrating my time is worth something. And of course, I think we would all recognize that ultimately, none of those things have the ultimate worth that God does but it gives us a key into understanding what worship is because worship starts with a heart that says, God, you're worth more than anything else to me. You are worth more uh, than, than anything. I, I, I want you more than anything else. And we can spend our lives, spend our time, spend our resources going after a thousand other things. But as we sang this morning, Jesus is my one thing, the most valuable thing to me, because what he gives me is greater than what anything else can offer me. Uh, regardless of, of what car I drive, Jesus gives me a status as a son, a child of God that's far greater than any car could give me. Jesus gives me security greater than any house could ever give me. Jesus gives me acceptance greater than any other relationship could give me. And so I find my ultimate worth and I give my ultimate value to God. That's the heart of worship. The heart of worship says, God, I, I want to give everything I can to you because you're worth more to me. I think about a couple of parables that Jesus tells. One's the parable of the pearl, the pearl of great price. It says a man found uh, that the kingdom of God or, or life with God is like a man who finds a pearl and, and he goes and sells everything he has to get that pearl. Another is the, the parable of the hidden treasure. It says, a man found a field with treasure in it, and he went and sold everything he had to buy that field for the joy of that treasure. And really, that is a, an expression or an illustration of worship, because worship is saying, God, I will sacrifice everything else because you're better than that. You are greater. You are worth more. You're more satisfying. You're more beautiful. You're more fulfilling than anything else. That's the heart of worship. And that's why David, a man who was very successful in the natural, he was the king of Israel. He had huge success. But here's what he said. He said, a day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of the Lord than to dwell in the tents of the wicked. I just want to be in the presence of God because uh, you're more satisfying, you're more beautiful, you're more wonderful. And, and when we recognize that regardless of how much success we have, how much money we have, how much material possessions or, or, or relationships or experiences or all of the material wealth of life, and there's nothing wrong with those things, 
But ultimately, when we recognize that God is more satisfying, God is more beautiful, God is more valuable than them, when we recognize that, our hearts will begin to overflow with worship. So first, worship starts in the heart. True worship starts in the heart. But the second thing I want you to see is that true worship doesn't just stay in the heart. True worship is expressed. True worship longs to be expressed. In fact, it's, it's, it finds its fulfillment in its expression. It's kind of like in a relationship. I remember the first time I told Jennifer, I love you. Now, I felt that in my heart, but the reality was I wasn't content to just keep it in my heart. I wanted to express it to her. I wanted to show it to her. I wanted to get married to her. I wanted to express my love to her. And that's the, the same is true of worship, that worship starts in our heart, but it doesn't stay in our heart. It is expressed in our lives. You know, in relationships, uh, we often talk about, many of us are probably familiar with the five love languages, uh, quality time, acts of service, gifts, uh, physical touch, I'm missing one more, words of affirmation. <laughs> the five love languages. And all of us kind of can probably identify words of affirmation, physical touch, quality time, acts of service, gifts. All of us probably identify with one of those that we most naturally express love through. The same is true in worship, that all of us have a natural way that we most naturally express worship to God. We're all different. God's made us all different. And we all express worship to God differently. There's some people you know, kind of like the physical touch in a relationship. There's some people, they are physical in their expression of worship. They want to clap. They want to dance. They want to lift their hands. The Bible talks about those things. But the Bible gives us all kinds of expressions of worship. The Bible also says, whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord. In other words, everything you do, every job that you take on can be an act of worship. The way you the, the way you uh, work in your employment can be an act of worship. The Bible also says, whatever you do to the least of these, you've done unto me. In other words, justice, caring for the hurting, the poor, the broken, uh, is an act of worship. The Bible also talks about welcoming others as Christ has welcomed us. So the way that we relate to other people is an expression of worship. And that's one of the reasons I love the church. I love gathering with the church because in the gathering of the church, there is a full expression of all the variety of expressions of worship. You know, there's some people that they just love, like I said, they love singing, they love uh, dancing, they love expressing worship in that way. Then there's others that they're like, you know, um, I I'm not really into the dancing thing, but is there a job that needs to be done? Because when I get a job done, I feel like I'm worshiping. There's other people that they, they're like, uh, let's just spend time. I'm a quality time person. And, and can't we just spend more time? Or maybe they're, they're going, hey, every time the, the doors are open, every time there's an event, I'm going to be there because it's an act of worship. Or maybe it's in generosity and giving. And they go, I, I, 
I feel that when I give, I am worshiping. And the Bible actually says that, that our tithes and offerings are a sweet-smelling aroma to God. And so all of those things are expressions of worship. But the challenge is that oftentimes we can fall into just expressing worship in the way we feel comfortable as opposed to the way that God wants us to express worship. And, and, and just as in a relationship, the expression of love, the greatest expression of love, isn't just in what I want to express, but it's in how the other person, the recipient, receives love. I, I was for years under the impression that Jen liked a certain flower. I think it's the Gerbera daisy. I don't know where I came up with that idea, uh, somehow it was in my head that she liked daisies, Gerbera daisies. I, maybe I bought them for her one time and she was so polite and kind. She said, thank you. And then I just thought, hey, this is it. This is working. Let's keep buying the daisies. So I bought literally probably for years, I would buy her these Gerbera daisies. And um, she was always so kind that she never, when you know I uh, brought them home, she was never like, I hate Gerbera daisies, but she actually didn't like these daisies. I didn't know until uh, my sister-in-law said something to Jen about, I know you love Gerbera daisies. And Jen was like, what do you mean? Uh, she said, well, you always have them. She said, no, that's because Justin always buys them for me. I was like, throw me under the bus. Come on. <laughs> I was well-intentioned, but I was demonstrating, I was expressing love in the way I felt comfortable as opposed to the way that she wanted it and received it. And, and the Bible gives us all kinds of expressions of how we can express love to God. And, and I want to encourage you to uh, explore the full expressions of worship. Maybe you feel like, I'm, I don't feel real comfortable in that physical expression. Well, God loves to hear us sing. He loves for us to lift our hands, to clap. The scripture says that. Maybe, maybe you feel like you love that, but you're, you're not real great at, um, at practical service. The scripture talks about all of these things. And again, I love in an environment where all of these unique um, personalities and unique expressions of worship can be expressed. And that's the beauty of the church, that there's the fullness of the expressions of worship. And it really creates an environment of worship, an environment that other people can come into and it becomes easy to worship because we've created an environment of worship. But, but here's the challenge of expressions is sometimes we can keep the expression of worship and lose the heart of worship. We can go through the motions and we've lost the heart behind it. The Bible actually talks about this for Saul the king of Israel, the first king of Israel, a man called by God, chosen by God, loved by God. But as he became successful, his heart turned away from God. He, he, he led Israel into sin and he's confronted by Samuel. And the Bible tells us in 1 Samuel chapter 15, it tells this story and I encourage you to read it sometime because it's a really impactful story that Samuel the prophet goes to Saul and he confronts Saul about Saul's disobedience. And Saul's response, rather than saying, oh, I'm so sorry, I'm so repentant, I've been wrong, my heart's drifted. 
His response to Samuel was, Samuel, turn with me and worship before the people. He was more concerned about people's opinion about him than he was about his heart before God. And I believe God is always looking at our heart. Worship will be expressed, but the danger is that we may lose the express, keep the expression, but lose the heart of worship. David went through the motions, or I'm sorry, Saul went through the motions. David had the heart of worship. When he was confronted with his sin, he was imperfect too. But when he was confronted, he said, Oh Lord, search me, try me, see if there's any wicked way in me. Saul wanted to keep the expression and lose the heart. David went back to the heart of worship. The Bible says this, Samuel's response was this reminder, obedience is better than sacrifice. In other words, it's better to give God what he wants, express worship to him in the way that he wants, rather than to be like I was and bring something that we feel is good, but God's going, that's not what I want. I want obedience. I want true worship, a true expression of worship. And so number one, worship is, starts in the heart. Number two, worship must be expressed. True worship is expressed. And then the third thing I want you to see is that true worship is tested. True worship is tested. You see, it's the testing that reveals the truth, the trueness of our worship. And I want you to notice what the scripture says, that the Father is seeking worshipers, true worshipers. Notice it doesn't just say people who worship, but he says, I'm looking for worshipers. I'm looking for people that they don't just have an act of worship, but it's become a part of who they are. There's a difference between having an act of worship or even an expression or an experience of worship and being a true worshiper. It's kind of like being a tennis player. Uh, a, a tennis player, I, anybody can go onto the tennis court. Anybody even can swing a racket and maybe, um, you know, score a point in tennis. But a tennis player has trained their eye, trained their reflexes, trained their muscles that whether they're on the court or not, regardless of the environment they're in, they have the capacity to play tennis. They're a tennis player. And God is looking not just for people who worship, He's looking for worshipers, true worshipers. And, and Jesus gives us a couple of things that help to reveal the trueness of our worship. He says, true worshipers worship in spirit, in spirit. In other words, it's not just the expression. It's not just the physicality of worship, although there is a physicality of worship but it is the spiritual reality, worshiping in the spirit. In other words, worship is not limited just to a particular place alone, uh, but it, it, it's in the presence of God. A true worshiper can worship anywhere because they recognize that they carry the presence of God. Wherever they go, the presence of God is there, and so they can worship anywhere. They're a true worshiper. And I believe even as we're in this season where, to be honest, worship can be a challenge. It can be difficult. I know even in a house church uh, or, or maybe you're at home and you've got your family and maybe you just feel like, man, I'm, 
I'm struggling. I just want to encourage you that God is helping to teach us how to worship in spirit. You see, when you become a worshiper, uh, you're not dependent just on the place of worship. You can turn any place into the place of worship. That's like David. He loved the temple. He had a heart to see the temple built. Uh, but, But his worship wasn't limited to the temple. In fact, actually, before he ever longed to build the temple, he learned how to worship in the wilderness. He learned how to worship in the cave. Why? Because he didn't just worship in a place. It was in the presence, in the spirit. He learned how to worship in the spirit. You see, when you know how to worship in the spirit, you can turn any place into a sanctuary. When you learn how to worship in the spirit, you can turn uh, your car in your commute into a sanctuary, a, a holy place, a place to meet with God. When you learn how to worship, when you're a worshiper, suddenly the shower isn't just a shower. The shower is a sanctuary, a temple, a dwelling place with God. Why? Because you've learned how to worship in spirit. You see, I believe true worshipers don't rely alone on a worship experience, but they are a worship experience waiting to happen. It's kind of like, leave me alone for just a few minutes and a church service is going to start. Why? Because I'm a worshiper. I'm a worship experience waiting to happen. Yes, I love to go to church, but even if I can't go to church, I am the church. And so wherever I'm at, you get me and one other person together and a church service might break out. Why? Because I am a worshiper. And that's what we see in the book of Acts chapter 16. Paul and Silas are in prison. Now they love the church. They went around planting churches. Uh, The the, uh, Apostle Paul was the one that literally wrote the book on church gatherings. Okay, And here he is. This man that loves church gatherings, but he's out of the gathering. But just because he's out of the gathering doesn't mean that he's not in the spirit. You may be out of the building, but you can still be in the spirit. And here they are, Acts chapter 16. They're in prison in Philippi. They're in prison and the Bible says it was midnight. And I don't know the details of the story, but we know Paul was there. We know Silas was there. And I don't know maybe who got it started, but maybe Paul said to Silas, man, I sure wish we could be with the church today. Maybe Silas said, yeah, I I think though Jesus said something about two or more gathered in his name. He's in the midst. Maybe we can have church right here. Maybe we don't just have to go to church. Maybe we are the church. So let's be the church wherever we're at. You know Waymaker? Let's sing Waymaker. I don't, I'm just, maybe I'm taking some personal license with the scripture, but just imagine with me, they start singing Waymaker, Miracle Worker. That is who you are. From down the hall, one of their uh, cellmates down the hall starts singing, even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. They turn that prison into a church. Why? Because they were true worshipers. They knew how to worship in the spirit. The Bible says that true worshipers worship in spirit and in truth. What does it mean to worship in truth? Worshiping in truth means I I don't just worship based on how I feel. Even when I don't feel good, I know God is still good. Even when life isn't good, God, you're still good. My worship isn't based on how I feel. 
my worship is based on the reality of who you are. So even when I've got more month than I have money, God, you're my Jehovah Jireh, so I'm just going to worship you. Even when I'm maybe filled with fear and anxiety, God, I'm going to worship you not based on how I feel, but I thank you that, that you are my victory. So I'm going to worship you for who you are. It's not just about how I feel. It's based on the reality of who God is. And I believe that God is working in this moment. Even in this season where life is different, worship looks different, church is different, let me give you this great encouragement. God is still working. God's not limited. You may feel limited. God's not limited. He's still looking for worshipers. Worship's not limited. He's still looking for worshipers. His eyes are still roaming to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of those whose hearts are loyal to him. Where are the worshipers? I pray that it's said about us, God, let us be people that regardless of the environment, environment we're in, I will be a worshiper wherever I'm at. I'm a worship experience waiting to happen. Would you bow your head and let me pray for you? As we prepare to close today, I know that watching this today, wherever you're at, whatever your circumstances or your environment are, I know that there's a, a breadth of experience and, and a breadth of even experience on your spiritual journey. Maybe as you hear me talk about being a worshiper, maybe you go, I'm not a worshiper. Maybe you consider yourself religious or spiritual, but if you're honest, you are not a worshiper of Jesus. I want to tell you today that He's more wonderful. He's more satisfying. He's more loving than anything else in the world. And today, you have an opportunity to open your heart to Him, to receive Him, the true riches, eternal riches, eternal satisfaction. Maybe there's others of you that you feel tested in this season. Worship's a challenge. Hey, it's a challenge for all of us. Maybe it's parents who have children and the environment just doesn't feel conducive to worship. I want to encourage you. God is using this season. Be encouraged. God is testing us. And I believe testing always precedes promotion. Our team has prepared a song that may be familiar to you. It's called The Heart of Worship. And I want to invite you, wherever you're at, just to take a moment to listen to this song, to allow it to minister, just to, to allow your own heart to examine yourself, to see, are you a true worshiper? Is there areas in your life that God is wanting to help you to learn how to worship in spirit and in truth? Let's just turn our hearts towards the Lord in this song.